Natsu, um, Dundon Rebuildus. Uh, Miguel, if you could, um, if you could suggest a better title for that or a more, um, Rebuildus, like, Rebel music. Rebel I don't know. Uh-huh. You can just say Dundon Matsalik. Dundon Matsalik. Ah, nice. <laughs> so you're listening to, yeah, this is the, the second music-based episode uh, featured here on Fanatsu, uh, now entitled Dundon Matsalik. So uh, I'm here with um, our friend uh, Metallic Sindalu. When is the Nava day? So if you guys uh, if you guys listened to the last one, um, I, I feel like it was very uh, underground hip hop censored. And again, um, the 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 inspiration for this this mini series, I guess, is um, it highlights the music that inspires uh, activism in uh, uh, within different activists. Uh, I mean. You know, we're all we're not all cut from the same cloth, and we all have different backgrounds, different interests, different musical tastes, especially uh, as uh, you'll see today. But um, yeah, um, Matalk, you want to just uh, give a, a short introduction uh, uh, for people who maybe haven't heard from you in a while, or haven't heard from me in a while? Yeah, yeah. When uh, was the last time uh, you were on, man? That was the uh, the oh, emergency. I think when I was, I think when I was uh, shit talking you. Oh yeah, that's right. When I was extra bold, <laughs> so bring yeah, it back, bring it back. <laughs> de- definitely, yeah. I, I'm due for a haircut, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah. So it, it's been a while, and um, I think your 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 introduction was the anarchism episode. Yes, it with was. our friend uh, Toby. Yeah. Gonzalez. So um, how was that guy? Toby's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, he's in uh the states right now. Um, got a job and. Mostly just working and mm-hmm. powerlifting. Nice. Going to punk shows. <laughs> cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, but that, w- that was our, our, our audience's introduction to anarchism. And uh, we went through some of the misconceptions and, um, you know, what it really is. Mm-hmm. And um, would it be incorrect to say that um, uh, musical genres like black metal and hardcore, those uh, are... Um, integral to anarchism and uh, um, movement, movements such as those, political movements such as those, do those uh, musical genres inspire um, anarchists typically? I think it just depends who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that I know of that have come to those ideas through hardcore, through punk, um, some through metal, but I mean, it, it really varies. Uh, you can talk to people anarchists that don't listen to that at all mm-hmm. or maybe they started out listening to that kind of stuff and then they just left it i know a big thing is hip-hop and you'd yeah. be surprised uh how many anarchists listen to the most vacuous pop music um just because i mean there's things in it like in the lyrics um that you can get that mm-hmm. seem sort of like just commonplace rebellion mm-hmm. that you can just kind of latch on to or you know party um, just have fun, like those kinds of things. Uh, I know quite a few anarchists who listen to country music mm. um, and not just like the old timey like stuff, which is somewhat popular, um, but 
you know, pop country too and stuff from the 60s, 70s and 80s, classic stuff, um, everything. Yeah. So, I mean, for, I think the biggest thing is just if there's something about it that makes you feel empowered, I think that's the biggest thing. So lyrically, like people look for things that make them feel like they can heal or that they can strike out. Um, not necessarily having to be heavy on any sort of critique is the big thing. There are bands, especially in punk and hardcore, that are very heavy in their critique, um, in their lyrics. Uh, very, very academic lyrics sometimes. Yeah. Um, but definitely, you know, other things that are just like, I'm pissed yeah. or I'm sad <laughs> and I just want to say it yeah. as loud as possible. Nice. So, um, yeah. I, I don't know if I really gave a good answer or not no, for that, whether that... <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. I mean... Because like, I, I know plenty of uh, people of all sorts of politics that come out of, like, these music scenes. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because with black metal, actually, there's more fascists that tend to come out mm. of there than anarchists. You know, I, I had a uh, conversation with a high school friend who was was into heavy metal or black metal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can school me on, on the differences today, I'm hoping. But... Um, he mentioned that um, a, a core element, I would say, uh, was um, like a Nordic um, mythology and, uh, you know, things like that, things like that, you know. So um, and then I was watching this thing on Vice about like the Sons of Odin or some some crap. Oh, um, yeah, those guys. And so I think I can definitely sort of see like uh, the crossroads between those. But um, would that be one reason why like um, fascists or fascism? Uh, is sort of connected to uh, black metal. Yeah, black metal tends to be really uh, well-founded in the people that are making it in their cultures, Um, which is why actually there's a lot of indigenous black metal too. But because of that, it generates a lot of feelings of nationalism. And because um, some of the most popular black metal came out of the Norwegian black metal scene, um, there's... A, a strong feeling of like nationalism that grew into white nationalism, of course. And so, you know, there's, there are specifically like bands, a, part of the genre that gets called NSBM or national socialist black metal. Okay. So there's like a whole arm, like genre of black metal that's Nazi. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's part of it. You even have some, uh, indigenous, like American bands, um, I say American, like South America, Central America, mm-hmm. that identify with fascist ideologies, um, okay. including Nazism and even glorify Hitler, um, even though they're brown indigenous people from the Americas. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there's definitely something in, in music, um, not necessarily that the music itself is going to make people drawn towards these ideas mm-hmm. um, as much as the culture that it generates. Interesting. Like there's a culture that definitely comes about because of the people that play it and because of the people that view it and consume it. So I think that's the biggest thing is that black metal really did start, I mean, with the exception of bands in in Brazil, um, really did start in Europe and Mm -hmm. really had a strong like sort of reactionary nationalist feeling to it. So, I mean, a lot of those personalities came out of that. Uh, Yeah. So there's, there's, um, Definitely the opposite, too, in the black metal scene, even in Europe. Mm-hmm. So there is a strong um, red and anarchist black metal movement. That's okay. what they call it. Um, 
you know, communists, anarchists, and everybody else on the left. Mm. Um, but there are some areas where it gets really muddy. Um, there um, was in the in the Pacific Northwest of the United States and and, and Canada. The I guess it's the southwest of Canada, actually, uh, British Columbia. There's kind of an overlap um, with in that area that gets called Cascadian black metal. Um, it's black metal really gets tied to its regions okay. a lot. Um, and Cascadia is what's seen as the bioregion of the Pacific Northwest plus British Columbia, that area. And there's definitely a lot of, uh, anti-authoritarian, anti-state like people around there. And it's really mixed with sort of this like resurgence and like European pagan spirituality that's really closely tied to some like fascist and fascist ideologies and things. Mm. So there's this space where it's kind of mixed together. Interesting. And so there's been a lot of problems actually in the Northwest around uh, the black metal scene and people that participate in it because you never know who's into what and Mm. it can be really sketchy stuff. Yeah, I follow some of uh, Toby's posts and he talks about sometimes uh, like skinheads planning to go to shows and stuff and then... um, You know, there's there's always a reactionary force against that, right? Yeah. So that's interesting. So it's all sort of like people, um, there's a, a dynamic in this space and this music. And uh, yeah, interesting, man. Yeah. So let's talk about the um, the, the first song coming up. So it's it's from an album called uh, Children of God's Fire, right? Yes. So what can you tell me about? This is my, for, for everyone listening, this is my first time hearing probably <laughs> probably most of these songs I'm anticipating. So, yeah. So l- let's talk about it. Um, Venom. Okay. Yeah. Um, this band is called Cypher. Uh, they're from Long Island, New York. And I actually uh, know them. Uh, their drummer passed away uh, a few years ago, um, surfing uh, actually in Indonesia. He's a good guy. Um, so rest in peace. But uh uh, another singer, Mo. They I booked them in the city I was living in in the Northwest once, and they stayed at my house and hung out. And good people. But uh, the song's called Venom, off of an album of theirs from Wow. This was from 2006. <laughs> um, the album's called Children of God's Fire, and actually it's taken from I think a verse in Deuteronomy that they use in another song. Mm. But they're a, a Black Liberation band. Um, they play a style of music it's called metalcore. Um, actually most of the bands I'm playing are going to be hardcore metalcore bands. Um, I didn't put much on here for black metal this time around, but that's actually in part because black metal tends to be like pretty long. Like Mm. the songs, they tend to be on the longer end from like six to 20 minutes. So just depending on, I mean, yeah, there, I know some black metal songs that are literally 90 minutes long. So, (laughs) um, yeah, (laughs) um, so what, what, why is this, uh, why'd you choose this song to be on your playlist? This song is something that really, um, I don't know, hit me when I first heard it, like 2006 or seven. Um, it doesn't speak as much to the other content, like lyric content of their songs, um, because they deal a lot with, I mean, politics, black liberation, those kinds of things. But this song's specifically about um, like patriarchy so I guess you could say this is a feminist song. Interesting. Um, and it comes from the point of view of, like, toxic masculinity, like talking about, um, you know, 
that toxic masculinity existing inside of men and being perpetuated by men is, is like a venom. You know, it comes into you and it changes you, alters you, um, and it's it's poisonous and it's poison for the planet. It's poison for you know women and for trans people and for queer people and mm. so that's what the song's about and in my developing ideas and developing mind it was pretty influential and there's some melody to it which in the song not in the vocals per se but in the music itself but it's also still a mosher so nice. <laughs> all right so yeah we'll get into it so venom
right, so that was Venom by a band called Cypher, 2006, um, Washington. Five or six. They're from New, York, from, from New York, from Long Island. Okay, yeah. gotcha, man. Yeah. And these are personal friends of yours, right? Acquaintances. Acquaintances. Yeah, we're not like homies, but we know each other, and gotcha. they're cool people. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Um, that I'm very familiar with that, that sound. Um, do you know, um, okay, I'm about to nerd out, but... Did you ever play Dance Dance Revolution? No. Back in the day. <laughs> For good reason, I'm sure. I was but. too busy going to raves. <laughs> nice, man. No, I don't know. When did when did DDR come Dude. out? Well, in the States at least. Oh, uh, I know it was like it was pretty big. Two thousand one, two? Oh, okay, yeah. So I was but, going to raves. Yeah. Not doing anything, but Yeah. I was that weird guy that went to raves to actually dance. Oh wow! Yeah, cool, <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, there's a band um, who produced who produced music for Dance Dance Revolution and like mm-hmm. poppin' music, all those those Japanese uh, Bemani games, those uh, Beat Mania uh, mm-hmm. games. So there's there's a band called Desro, and um, they're like a, a Japanese. Uh, what would you call that? Hardcore, metalcore, metalcore. Yeah, metalcore. A Japanese metalcore band, I suppose. Then. Huh. But but yeah, that that guitar. I was I was trying to jot down some notes um, to give to you guys. Uh, but um, I was telling Mike, uh, or that's gonna be blurred out. I was telling Metallic. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Metallic while we were playing the song. Like um, I couldn't really understand what they were saying. Um, like probably without uh, looking at the lyrics themselves. But the guitar was like really dreamy, and then uh, it's it's sort of discordant how like it clashes um how like all of a sudden like a guy will be screaming um <laughs> at the top of his lungs and then yeah they have that breakdown right yeah and um so but i guess you know those are things that that sort of draw your attention and uh they they keep you off guard i suppose yeah and um it forces you to to listen so yeah man um what else uh what could you say about that song I mean, does it bring back anything to you um, um, for you after listening to it just now? I mean, to be honest, I listen to it pretty regularly. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, when I was listening to it, I remember like how they kind of tied in uh, patriarchy into the totality of what they're talking about with, you know, capitalism and the state and, you know, white supremacy and all of that. So. Yeah, and there is that hip hop influence in there, right? Definitely. So. And like I was telling you, they have another song where they feat uh, MF Doom on it. So yeah. On the same album. Oh man. Yeah, it's called uh, the song's called "Verse Versus the Virus." Verse, verse, first verse of the virus. Verse versus the virus. Verse versus the virus. Yeah, verse cool. vs the virus. Nice. Yeah. Um, if we have time, maybe we'll get into that later on. But um, let's see what's coming up next. What is next? <laughs> It's got it going on. Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> yeah. Give violence a chance. Give violence a chance. All right, so Metallic, the next song we have coming up is uh, Give Violence a Chance by Gloss. Gloss. Yeah, yeah, Gloss, and uh, each letter is an acronym. Gloss stands for Girls Living Outside Society Shit. Um, and actually, one of my friends played in this band. They broke up a little bit ago. And I was very sad, but this is, um, gloss is, I don't know. It's hard to describe gloss, um, not stylistically, not lyrically anything, but because gloss is like a huge band for me and a huge band for a lot of people. Um, they're trans and queer and femme and they're just like, 
I, I don't know how to, I really don't know how to describe it. Cause it's like, it probably will seem really silly to some people if like you're not part of those communities or anything, but it just like, there's such a huge emotional like connection to it and that it actually is like voicing things for us. And I mean, it's just, it was so such a big deal. Mm. Um, and there's another song I, I would like to play too from this band, but I don't know if we'll have time. Um, but yeah, this, this song give violence a chance is actually talking about, um, it's actually, I think in reference to black lives matter. Mm. Um, and they're talking about uh, the, the beginning, the first line is like, it just, it cuts. Um, they say when peace is just another word for death, it's our turn to give violence a chance. So, you know, kind of being critical of, of nonviolence movements and how effective they are in dealing with things like police who are going to be killing, have been killing black people for no reason, you know, regardless of respectability politics, regardless of, you know, whether they choose nonviolence or violence, whatever walk of life they come from, whether they can be seen as criminals or as educators, as children, you know, women, men, trans people, queer people, you know, it doesn't matter your religion, none of that. Like they just have been gunned down and people can always reference whatever circumstances in those particular situations. But really what it comes down to is not necessarily even like that the police officer is personally racist as much as we have a culture in the United States where black people are seen or are seen as threatening. And that's just it. Like you're just, they're supposed to be threatening by default. And there's a narrative in society that people they don't see it because it's not very blatant, but that's just it, you know? Um, yeah. So the song is, well, yeah, I mean, I could really, the lyrics speak for it. So. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get into it and we'll pick up on that later. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, Gloss is amazing and you should love them.
um, yeah, right around the, uh, the the 30 second mark, that's when I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw it. Nice, man. You were like, all right, yeah, okay. Totally. Into that. <laughs> nice. And so that song came out in 2016. And like you said, um, uh, possibly in reference to the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah so let, let's talk about the politics of, uh, of nonviolence, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, um, it seems like, I mean, even even looking locally, whenever like we'll, we'll take the uh, the um, the Davis ruling uh, appeal public hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting in the newsroom and um, my coworkers like every time someone would get like super emotional or get riled up um, during their testimony, like they would like shake their heads and be like, "Oh, there they are getting emotional again." And like, you know, why is it? Why does it? Why don't they appreciate that? Is it because it makes them feel uncomfortable? And shouldn't, shouldn't it make people feel uncomfortable? And um, in that regard, too, like violence, like why should we resist violence or resorting to violence when we are being, um, there, there's violence being actioned against us, right? And, and yeah. violence isn't just a blatant, like you punching me in the face, like there's systemic violence. Mm-hmm. And um, absolutely. Yeah, totally, man. So, um, Okay, so when people think of violence versus nonviolence, um, there's this whole preconceived, like there's, there's this background idea about first what violence is and second what nonviolence is, of course. Mm. But there's also sort of a, I don't want to put it like a blindness to how you can employ those things. Um, and, and a moralization of, you know, I'm lost in my own thoughts right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, basically, so people think tend to think that violence is whatever is not sanctioned by the state, first of all. So police violence, you know, if it's egregious and somehow to them works outside of the law, it's not acceptable. But everyday police violence is acceptable because they're upholding the law. Um, Nonviolence tends to lean on systemic violence very hard to support its platforms and to get legal work done. Because that's what nonviolence does. It, it, I mean, you can see it as a people's movement, but what they're really trying to do with nonviolence is to change legal framework. So in order to do that, you furthermore have to have somebody else using violence to uphold that legal framework. So it's the idea of getting whatever power is behind you. Um, so nonviolence and violence in reality should be seen as tactics, not like this moralized dichotomy where um, you decide that destroying property or committing violence outside the sanction of the state or getting into a fight or getting angry, um, that that's somehow, that's violence and that's undesirable. Because nonviolence, like I said, is supported by systemic violence, but it needs to come from a place of privilege um, you have to be in a situation where, A, your life is not immediately threatened. Because you ask anybody if their life is threatened, how they're going to respond to that. Um, you're not going to just simply petition someone else to help save you. Um, you're not going to lay down and hope that that person sees your moral superiority and stops. So you have to feel, even if you're at a disadvantage in society or having less privilege, you have to feel like your life isn't immediately in danger or that you have the ability, and this is furthermore privilege, to turn to somebody else who has more power than you 
to fix that, to remedy that problem. So tactically speaking, you can resort to the, the nonviolence to get things done, of course. Why wouldn't you pursue legal framework that would protect you? Why wouldn't you go to somebody who's more powerful to, to hope to try and get them to, to work on your behalf? But the truth is, if you are in a if you are really at a disadvantage, those people are only going to help you in so far as it helps them. And this is where you run into the issues where people do feel desperate, where people don't have options, or people see more value in lashing out in ways that have been deemed moralistically, mind you, as violence. So kind of what I'm saying is that dichotomy should be broken down, like as as well as possible yeah. um, because it divides movements and it causes people also to see each other as problematic. You know, um, I think that if someone feels that they can only do as much as whatever they're going to do, like if you're limited in your life where you don't feel like you can step out and make these huge, like take these huge risks, then I don't feel like you should be belittled for it. But at the same time, if someone is taking the huge risk, I think you should support them. So, Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's this song, and in general, it's not like about like go out there and like do all these violent things and be like fetishize violence and be ultra violent and stuff. As much as like there's more than one way, and you have to embrace all of it and each other in doing so. So you know, give everything a chance. Like whatever works. Yeah. As they say, by all means necessary. And um, of course, uh, like last month, there was a whole uh, the Antipa dude punching um, Sean Spencer, right? Which is golden. Yeah, <laughs> Richard I, Spencer. Richard, Richard Spencer. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I you can sort of see the argument um, taking taking uh, shape yeah. within that discourse, right? Around yeah. that action. Well, and then. I mean, here's part of like, you can see the moral dichotomy that, or the, the moralism that creates that false dichotomy of violence versus nonviolence, where um, we have fascist militias in the United States, um, and the KKK has been there since ever since, mm -hmm. but it's only okay for anybody to do anything against them if they're police or if they're military for the United States. Like, and then people back it like 100%. Yeah. So that's, yeah, <laughs> what you consider violence versus what isn't. I mean, and then some people might be critical of that too. Um, and I would say that you're being foolish because those people will employ violence against you any chance they get. Yep. And if you think that reason is going to work, then you're fooling yourself. And if you think that other people are going to like band together and your presence of saying no to them is going to make them go away, it hasn't. Mm. So... When faced with reality, you must you must sometimes do things you don't like. Oh, <laughs> not saying, not being an advocate for that mm -hmm. and not saying that that's where we're at, but definitely saying that it's time to break down those yeah. walls. Nice, man. All right. Next one. What you're thankful for, number three. Oh, dang. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about this one? So um, this song is by... One of my favorite uh, vegan straight edge hardcore bands. Um, vegan straight edge, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. <laughs> vegan, um, that is a diet and a life around consuming no animal products. Uh, 
don't eat meat, dairy, eggs, uh, don't consume gelatin, don't use leather, um, don't support animal enterprise industry basically in any way whatsoever. And there's a lot of other politics that fall into that. Uh, straight edge um, is a clean living life, like clean life that it came out of a subculture in punk and hardcore. But the idea is that you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do drugs. Um, at, there's various other ways of looking at it. I know people that don't use caffeine, don't use drug, like medicine, like uh, pharmaceutical medicine. Uh, people who uh, don't consume refined sugar, people who are celibate, uh, people who think that it means that you only have sexual relations within. Uh, this goes back to another, an old, the straight edge song from Minor Threat, where it says that uh, they say, don't drink, don't smoke, don't fuck. Um, and so that's like kind of the, a lot of people like tease like, oh, you're serious, so you don't have sex. <laughs> and it's, it was more nuanced than that, but yeah. so much for what you can get out of uh, some sort of theoretical framework or yeah. critique from a punk song. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're vegan and straight edge and they're anarchists. Wow. Um, but the song, What You're Thankful For, is in response to Thanksgiving. Um, but it's talking about, um, it's talking about colonization of the Americas, um, the Christianization of Americas and, uh, the genocide that occurred in the Americas with Europeans coming, um, and how there's so many things where it's just like kind of glossed over, um, in American cultures, uh, the States there, not just the United States, but. I mean, everywhere, like where they celebrate these like colonial heritages, <laughs> but um, yeah, like when people celebrate Columbus Day or Thanksgiving, right. like, and they don't talk about, you know, the the white supremacy, the Christian supremacy, the genocide that those things represent to indigenous people there. Um, yeah, but actually. Um, I have the booklet here um, because the first third of the song isn't actually lyrics they wrote is from a a poem. So Aztec poet around what does it say? Aztec poet around 1626 who survived after the Spanish completely destroyed their city. Um, so um, yeah, it's it's pretty heavy like content. Yeah. Not that you'll understand the lyrics very well. Um, that's another thing about punk and hardcore and metal is, um, I guess unless you listen to it and are acclimated to the genre, you really don't understand people, mm. which, cause all the screaming. So I feel like, uh, I could sort of get away with saying anything really if I was in a, a punk band or something <laughs> you know, so. and then say it was something else. Right. Yeah. There's actually some like, uh, like death metal, death core or whatever bands, where you really cannot tell what they're saying. And um, I know that some of these bands, like uh, there's this band called Waking the Cadaver. Mm. Like their lyrics are like just garbage, like how to make a sandwich. Or like <laughs> they uh, don't have lyrics at all. Uh-huh. Or they do the opposite. They write lyrics and then they just make sounds. Wow. And like they don't actually say their lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. That's pretty cool, man. Is it cool? It sounds kind of weird. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I guess one one of the reasons why, like, uh, it was sort of there was this wall, there was this this hurdle of uh, me jumping into this music scene mm-hmm. was because it seems like there there is a, a culture of uh, like sarcasm and uh, like dry humor. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So 
I don't know. It's definitely quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I appreciate that, you know. That's cool. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we'll get into it. What you're thankful for. Yeah. joking that was heavy yeah especially yeah. if you because you read the lyrics yeah it's very heavy content and so you're saying um this was a um an aztec poet the first third of it yeah wow. it's in quotations it's from an aztec poet after they destroyed the spanish destroyed their city yeah it's crazy i mean documenting mm -hmm. the destruction and you know it's um you know i guess we're, we're lucky in a way that uh like this generation we we haven't seen those things but no um <laughs> 
uh, like let's it wasn't not, even let's that. Let's not see those things. <laughs> let's not. But I mean, it wasn't even that long ago, you know? No, it really It wasn't. was just a couple hundred years ago. And yeah. Like human beings are still very capable of. Uh, still happens. It's still happening today. So that's, that's intense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anything else you want to <laughs> jump on I mean, with that song? It brings a little, it's a lot of really intense things, um, intense feelings and a lot of, uh, thought processes that, you know, I can recall when I hear these songs, like mm-hmm. it make, it takes me back to the times when I first heard it, when I was first thinking about it, when I first read those lyrics and those, but then it also takes me to times where like I had amazing fun, like great times with friends and just, it's super cathartic too. So, you know, while, while I'm getting out all these terrible feelings and processing all these thoughts and feelings in a setting where it's totally okay to do it and to just lose my shit mm-hmm. and it's totally fine, you know, um, and to know how to navigate that world too while doing it. Like, I don't know. It, it just feels like, I don't know how to put it. It's just, um, some of the best feelings in the world. Yeah. Like you feel actually free. Um, which is, I think, what brought me to like punk and hardcore and stuff when yeah. when I was younger, and what's kept me here um, as I'm an older adult now. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I it's so hard to describe. I honestly, if you've never felt it, then there's no way for you to know until you do it. Um, yeah. But I was telling, I was like, I was telling you, like. Just like craziness, like my I got my glasses broke when I went and saw Gather Player Reunion show in San Diego, California, um, and people were hanging from the rafters literally, and like just it's just a melee and just crazy, and everyone's singing along, and like it's packed, like the yeah. place was packed, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because you can pack the place with like a hundred people, but (laughs) so there's like a couple hundred people from all over the place. Like there are people that flew in from the East coast and drove from, I drew from, drove from Washington state. Um, and just, yeah, it's just crazy. Like honestly, the only thing that comes close is like, um, for me is like when we were at, um, this happens other ways too, but like, uh, at the respect the tomorrow people rally, when everyone sang at the end yeah, and just like that it's, it's like that, like just, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's an indescribable feeling that just like it pulls your whole body and mind and your heart in and you feel connected to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, everything you're experiencing is relevant and like real and you can just let go of it. It's just crazy. Yeah. 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 I think for anyone looking looking in from the outside, like uh, these hardcore shows, and um, um, you know, it looks really crazy, <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of it sounds really uh, chaotic and uh, um, discordant and uh, unpleasant. But it's not it's not necessarily that uh, these are these are negative uh, feelings or emotions, but just um, it's it's like an outburst of of all emotions of all sorts mm-hmm. of feelings and like you you describe uh, like um happiness and joy and uh some of the best times of your life mm-hmm. all right and um a, 
dealing with this music and uh, and things like the Respect the Toronto People rally at the end. That's right. Yeah, man. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, it yeah. makes me want to play a different song. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't have on this list from yeah. a local band. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, local hardcore band. Cool. Um, we might have time for that later. So. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. But you know what? I know this next song because um, all that craziness, the Davis rolling and all that shit. Like um, you tagged me in a post, um, Incendiary, we have coming up next. Yes. So um, after after I heard this song, I went and um, I started listening to them on Spotify and uh, just going through like uh, a marathon, I suppose. And definitely um there, there's a lot of songs that i can i can attach to so but this right. one is a uh, dissension yeah so you want to say a few words about this one um shoot <laughs> this this song's just really it's just rebellion it's yeah. uh refusing to refusing to uh shoot just be controlled be told who you are to be i mean there's there's a lot it's 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 not like it's not one of those songs where you can pull like huge critique out of it or like it's huge theoretically. It's simple and it's supposed to speak to that part of a person that just refuses to be controlled, refuses to be held mm-hmm. down. Um, but for me, as an indigenous person, yeah, um, it it strikes such a chord, especially those end lyrics that when I tagged you, I always put those lyrics. It says, uh, "Just because you say it." doesn't mean you're fucking right. Yeah. And just because you're stronger doesn't mean that I won't fight. Yes. And it that's so huge because that's that's what we face here is somebody who just because they say it, they say they're right. Right. And just because they're stronger, like we're not supposed to do anything. Dude, case case in point, um, the detonations that they have planned for yeah. the harbor. <laughs> oh, we don't have time to ask you guys what you think right. about us blowing stuff up in the ocean. Yeah. And and we don't have time. That that says like what we're doing is fine. We know it's good. We did all the proper whatever. But at the same time it's also what are you going to do about it? Right. You can't do shit. Yeah. You know? And yeah, that's my response. This song to every time that happens, to the Davis case, the detonations, to everything. Mm-hmm. Just just because you say it doesn't mean it's fucking right. That's right. Yeah. And just because you're stronger doesn't mean that I won't fight. Dude, like, yeah. And just putting it with this song like it's kind of and really the lyrics too are about like waking up Mm. you know he says in the song says now I know the truth Mm. and then they say that nice man you know like uh, let's ah. uh, yeah let's uh, I think we're feeling it already so let's let's not uh, wait any longer let's get into it so incendiary with dissension
That was good. So mm-hmm. good we, we played it twice. <laughs> Dead end because it's only like two minutes long. Yeah. So I kinda skipped at the end. We don't know what happened. I don't know, yeah. But you know, it was necessary. So good. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, getting back into that. Sometimes that sometimes there aren't words to describe how uh, some of these songs make you feel, even though we, we've chosen these songs um, on each of our episodes uh, for, for different reasons. And uh, this is just one of those songs that you don't have to explain. Like, no. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh, but I, I think that's good because, and something I do like about this these kinds of music, like these bands and stuff, is um, they speak to, like we were saying, that visceral part. Mm-hmm. So like everything you experience in life, it's not going to have like a dialogue or not even necessarily you narrating, you know, it's not going to have a way you can explain all these feelings, you know, when you feel disempowered, like, do you always have a way of describing it? Mm. You know, in that, especially in the moment, you know, you can't just like break it down all the time when you just feel like, yeah, like, like what can you do? And I feel like, uh, this music for me is like, it's always been that like even when I don't even know the lyrics like there's some songs where just the rhythm or just the sound you know something about it like just touches these spots inside yeah. me like during that song I was like I feel like I can't stand still like <laughs> I was staying still but like just I don't know like it just compels like me mm. body mind and heart just to like move <laughs> yeah so I don't know a lot of people probably don't feel that, but <laughs> probably something makes you feel that way. Yeah. Or whoever's still listening to this probably feels <laughs> it too. So. All right. Yeah. yeah if you made it this far, probably. Right. <laughs> cool. So we have a necessary death coming up. <laughs> what, what can you tell me about this, man? The, the title itself is interesting. So. This is the, this is the odd one out. <laughs> so we're listening to like hardcore and hardcore punk, different kinds of hardcore. Like it's, you kind of have a feel like so far, even those are differences. Like you can still feel like this is coming from like the same sort of genre, same sort of place. Uh, this next was a grindcore band, mm. so I mean it's still ex- it's extreme, but this this is more extreme than what you've been listening to. Okay, um, musically, um, and it's the shortest song. <laughs> this is pretty typical for grindcore. Um, it's a very extreme genre. Short songs is what mm-hmm. it's known for, um, and very fast, <laughs> very fast and heavy. Um, but this song is called Necessary Death. I thought I'd play it just because it's kind of a humor point for me. <laughs> um, the song's about strapping a bomb to yourself and then going and hugging the president. <laughs> That's what we'll say. Oh, man. <laughs> nice. Cool, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll touch back on that later. Once um, again, uh, disclaimer, we're not advocating for <laughs> any such action whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
I can sort of dig that. I mean, there's no foreplay or anything. Uh, they're not talking no. us down after just uh, it started abruptly and it ended abruptly at uh, 51 seconds. So. <laughs> that's even a long song. Yeah. They have a song that's two seconds. What? Yeah. So, I mean, I, last time uh, you, and, you and Toby um, sort of talked to me about a little bit about like power violence. Yes. Um, is that typically what grindcore is, or is that a separate genre? Altogether? I mean, they're separate, but uh-huh. they they can blur sometimes, especially nowadays. But uh, power violence is kind of like the same idea, mm-hmm. um, except not necessarily as technical, and the the vocals are different. Like uh-huh. um, power violence is like that, but more punk. Okay. Um, like there's still like some metal riffs in there, but it's it's more like a punk aesthetic, whereas grindcore is. Let's put it this way: like uh, power violence is really fast metal played by punks, where grindcore is really fast punk played by metalheads. <laughs> mm, okay. That's the way to put it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> cool, cool. But it definitely crosses over all the time. Yeah, yeah. Are there lyrics or anything in the song that that you that you um, latch onto or that you even comprehend, or <laughs> is it just one of those <laughs> things that you just feel? I mean, I can read the lyrics to you if you want. Okay. Let me, let me pull up. I think I left it on my... F- okay, so here's the lyrics uh-huh. of uh, Necessary Death by Insect Warfare. I'll read them because it's short. It's okay. a short song, so short lyrics. Uh, I never thought I'd kill myself. I'm doing it so the rest can survive. Mass murder through suicide. Master of my own fate. Martyrdom derived from hate. I died so you can live. With a bomb tied to my chest, I approached the president. Chaos, as bombs explode, burning flesh and skin. Now your country's leader's dead, and the war is ours to win. Oh, man. That's pretty intense, and if you stayed this far, you probably just left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whoever whoever was left, they're like, oh, no, I just, no, I can't. No, (laughs) no. Cool, man. So... So I mean, yeah. When I first saw the title, though, like "Necessary Death," I thought it was, um, I thought it was um, a comment commentary on like the idea that uh, there's just like too many humans. <laughs> like, no, that's the voluntary human extinction uh, movement. So okay, that's a real movement. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I'll do some googling, I guess. So, you know. All right. So the next one we have is uh, "No Spiritual Surrender." What yes. can you tell us about this one? Uh, this one is not funny at all. This is a really powerful song for me. Um, and it's another song with like feeling. Like I feel like you could really feel it, especially if you do know the lyrics a little bit. Um, I, this is actually the song has pretty short lyrics too. So I'm actually going to read the lyrics anyway. Okay. Um, try to make me bow down to you. Try to take my identity Try to make me just another pebble on the beach. A green mind twists the plan, a cold hand trying to silence me. You try to grasp me, but I'm out of reach. No spiritual surrender. And then they repeat that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's it's awesome to me. I don't know. Like, yeah. once again, it's one of those songs where the lyrics are pretty simple. And it's just like, no, like I refuse to bow. Like I refuse to be submitted, like that kind of thing. But I feel like it's it's with the song and the words no spiritual surrender like it just kind of it it grabs you like it's more than just like an intellectual not surrendering or like a simple rebellion like it's like to the very core of your being like refuse Mm -hmm. um and so for me like these songs 
because of my own personal experience, because of my life, because of who I am, I apply this to like what we're experiencing now. I apply this to like every thing that has happened in my life. And mm-hmm. as an indigenous person, as a Jamal person, like for me, this is like never ever will I surrender. Yeah. And when I hear this, like I feel that in my heart, like it's just, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Even when I'm dead, it's not going to stop, <laughs> you know, like just one of these, like just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. There was, I could, Never mind. I'll, just, I'll tell you when we play the song. Okay. <laughs> I actually don't want to share that. Nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but oh yeah, another point. Um, this is this band Inside Out. Uh, so this is actually you might be familiar listeners and you with uh, a guy named Zach Delaroca, mm-hmm. who sang for Rage Against the Machine. Uh, this is the band he was in before Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> he's he's the one singing. He wrote those lyrics. Inside Out. Are there other? Does Zach De La Roca um, does his like his Chicano 
uh, influence sort of come out in this band, or was that more? For, was that saved until like Rage Against the Machine? I think that was definitely saved during Rage Against the Machine. I see. Um, I mean, he's speaking from his experiences, yeah. so these lyrics definitely are coming from that experience, uh, which is maybe why you can relate to him a little bit, like mm-hmm. for me especially. But uh, yeah, it's it's not as overt until you get to Rage Against the Machine. I but see. that's because the lyrics there too started taking on more of like a body of work. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he started becoming more theoretical in how he was writing things. And if you look at all his songs together, you start to see like there's this entire Formation. like political framework, this I whole see. theoretical thing that he's doing. Uh-huh. Um, whereas this was communicating feelings. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice, man. That's pretty cool. You know, um, I don't know why... But uh, the first thing that came to mind when we were listening to this is uh, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> if you kill me, I will make me, or you will make me stronger or some shit like that, right? Yes. Like, if you strike me down, I'll become stronger. And in that sense, too, like, um, you know, uh, our ancestors, uh, those who, who rebelled, um, they were bound, beheaded. Um, but you can't kill an ideology. You can't kill... You can't kill the spirit of rebellion, and I think that's it's powerful. No spiritual surrender, yeah. even if you know you can try to to uh, breed us out of existence or uh, systematize your way uh, against us, but we'll be here in one shape or another. Always fighting, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I got it. You I felt gotta, it. <laughs> you felt it. Oh man, you almost got me, dude. I swear I'm going to get through this episode without crying. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it hits you. Yeah. It got you there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, thank God. Last one. So this last one must be pure disgust. Yeah. So this song is called Blind to Race. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, assimilation or being bred out of existence yeah. or any of those kinds of things. So this song, it's a quick one. It's a, it's a hardcore punk song, some Oi influence. Uh, if you're not familiar with Oi, that's the like skinhead version of punk that Oi. came out of the 70s and 80s, etc. Um, which I wouldn't recommend just going and like listening to every Oi band there was because it's rife with problematic bands. <laughs> <laughs> but there are some greats and some definitely anti-racist ones. But Pure Disgust, uh, they're from DC. Um, they're a current band, hmm. uh, still playing. Um, yeah, uh, people of color in the band. Their singer is uh, African American, and the song is about people that say they're colorblind. Uh-huh. Um, it's about colorblind America and how really it doesn't work that way. Like it's not just that people don't see your race or that you know you're you're good the way you are and it shouldn't be how you're judged or whatever. Um, there's an undercurrent of assimilation that's necessary for that to happen, mm. um, and. American society is white society. It is. I mean, we're familiar with that as Chamorro people, as residents of Guam, because it's blatant in the insular cases. Like you talk about that, how we don't know Anglo-American values. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that was written about American values, like Anglo-American. That's how it's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, you can be like the good black person, the good Chamorro person, You, but you have to be palatable you have to be respectable which means that you have to understand and participate in anglo-american culture in some yeah. way or another um and i love in the song he says you have no right to make me white um, um and there's another part 
two uh, where he sings, he says over and over again, no race, but the human race, mm -hmm. because that's what colorblind people say. Um, but that ignores all the differences. It ignores our experiences and it more specifically ignores systemic oppression that happens to people in their yeah. different places <clears throat> in their lives. And um, I just love it at the end of the song, like, cause he says it over and over, no race, but the human race. And at the very end, like you feel like it ends and they kick back in and he yells, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, that's a huge thing anyway to critique like yeah. colorblindness and all that, but um, which maybe I, we don't have time for, or maybe I'm not prepared to deal with. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe both. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, yeah, colorblindness in and of itself is it's part of uh, it's part of racism. Yeah, to be able to ignore somebody, uh, their experience, um, to be able to say that yours is the same because you don't see race, mm -hmm. like it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really cool that that you included this and um, that there is this critique because I'm also reading um, that book, uh, Hawaiian Blood. Mm -hmm. But it talks about the politics of uh, of um, blood quantum theory and indigenous identity, and uh, you're you're right. I mean, like, uh, there's if you think about like whiteness as a property, and only certain people are entitled to that property, and maybe some of you guys can have it, but only if you assimilate to a certain degree, mm -hmm. and uh, we can only let you exercise some some sort of elevation as long as you're complicit. Yes. In uh, in um, our oppressive system mm -hmm. against these other people, exactly. So yeah, fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
love it. Yeah. What a good way to end the show, man. Yeah. So, yeah, we went over just in our narrative alone because I've been, I've been uh, stopping and playing in between each song. Um, so we can, we can really dive in. Um, well, we're, we're almost at over an hour. And I'm sure once oh, I wow. add these, these songs in, it'll, it'll be like an hour and 30 minutes. Oh, damn. But it's fine. Um, dude, I enjoy this. This is way more fun having another person to bounce the shit off of. You know, so the first one I did, I was sitting in my room and just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> just like talking to myself, really. But this is this is way more fun yeah. having this discourse. It's, it's so. been fun. How, thanks for having me on. Yes, really. thanks for being here, man. It's, it's fun. Always, always. Hopefully, somebody out there finds some value in this yeah. and doesn't just hate it entirely. They're and gonna send you friend requests. Uh, like, oh yeah. yeah, we'll see. <laughs> They'll be like, oh that kook with all his <laughs> ideas <laughs> and his weird bad music. <laughs> Oh, man. Hey, um, thanks, guys, so much for listening. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Esther. Ihinengaynga independent guahan. Para ba inafan matak nga yaman tomorrow. Para tatuli tati di retota como una shon gihilu tano. Gini minet gut niha yamanyanata. Dani guinezata nui famago umta motna. Ina kekefan manungo. Dana kekefanet don todu i tato siha. Ni manyasaga gi ininatano. Paratana let fetna ida wahan ni todu inina senyata kosiki senyata fan latla maulik motna fanatsu hita latmon <laughs>